Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for this day that you have made for us to rejoice and be glad. Thank you for the word of God and the ministry, Lord, that you have left us with to be able to uh, nourish ourselves, Lord, and the church with the word that inspires us to live for your glory. We pray, Father God, that your word would be a a good seed planted in each heart, uh, a good soil, Lord, a fertile soil that would give forth the fruit of the seed that's planted therein, Lord, that your word might be a lamp unto our feet, that it might be a double-edged sword, that it might penetrate the the depth of who we are, Lord, and that the word would not fall to the wayside, that it not fall on superficial sand, Lord, uh, that it not be taken from us, Lord. We pray that it would not return void, but that it would serve the purpose for which you send it. We believe, Father, that there is power in your word, power to set the captive free and to save the lost, Lord, and to heal the sick. We pray, Father God, uh, that the fruit of the word, Father God, would, would be evident in our lives, that we not hold on to traditions of men, that we not be seeking the benefits of the gospel, but that we might be able to receive uh, the gospel with the purity of, of what is supposed to issue forth and birth in our lives. We pray that, Father, your word this morning might make foolish, Father God, things wise and might turn dark things into the clarity and the light. In Jesus' name, we thank you, and the church gives you thanks for the word. First um, Corinthians one twenty-five, the, the the expression of the word of God is seen foolish um, to wise men. I, I can tell you this: there's an all sort and manner of wise men upon the earth that see the gospel as a waste of time. Uh, The foolishness of God, here Paul says, is wiser than man's greatest advance. This trade-off I've seen too many times to not be able to declare. Uh, We talked about this on Wednesday, that there's a weakness of God here in the second part of this verse that is stronger than man's might. we were talking, one of the examples I gave last week was those who have taken the gospel uh, for what it's worth and the weight of the gospel for what it is um, have produced a fruit uh, upon the earth that is way beyond man's capacity. Uh, uh, The greatest discoveries upon the earth Uh, history has said has taken place by God-fearing men, men who had a relationship with God. Uh, Washington Carver was one of the men that that was a slave, and and he's telling God, give me wisdom so that I might become a scientist. And if you look him up in the encyclopedia, uh, and the amount of discoveries this guy made were beyond uh, man's capacity. So the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weak things of God are stronger 
than the things of men. So there, there is an expression of uh, what these men have been able to produce. And I was saying that those who have been a Christian for many generations, in my case, we are the first um, families that gave birth to children that would be born in a Christian home. In other words, uh, when before my children were born, I would ask God, what do you want me to name them? What do you want the names of my children to be? Well, um, there, there are generations of men who have not asked God, you know, what is the purpose of my children upon the land? Um, and so these that were grown up, and they have generations of great-grandparents, grandparents, parents, and even siblings that are in the Lord, uh, when they go to give to God, they've reached the levels of giving 90% of everything to God. Imagine you being able to give 90% of what is yours and lay it down at the feet of Jesus Christ. And they, they only live with 10%. These families are great uh, legacies of Christian faith. And their 10% that they're left over with is $100 million. So they, they can live like that. They, they can give $800 million and stay with, with uh, $100 million. Um, so I'm thinking how we starve the legacies of our children because we even struggle with giving 10%. We're not thinking, God, make me a great source of, of income so that I might bless my generations in the purpose of God. No. Uh, the great majority, we were talking about Chuck Brewster, um, a former uh, Secret Service policeman who did his, he already, he served uh, for over 25 years uh, as a Secret Service um, he was uh, tending to the president of the United States and, and taking care of the interests of these men. When he retires, he doesn't go to Fort Myers to become a retiree in the golfing community and disconnects himself from God. No, he, he becomes the director of men's ministry over the Assemblies of God, and he's traveling all the states, uh, being able to serve men in his generation, giving them the equipping of the dynamics to be greater men of God. So when you give yourself over to God, um, there, there are some men that will make $1,000 and then says, this is my $1,000 to take off to the keys with my family. And they'll take off to the keys. There's another man that will get $1,000 and says, you know something, I'm going to invite all the youth over to my house and I'm going I'm, I'm to bless the youth group. I'm going to take them to the park. So the different dynamics will be different expressions of how we surrender to God. So we were talking about Wednesday. How do we get to become those people that are making an influence in the world by impacting others? Um, as we begin to travel to Mexico, um, here I am, a full-time lawyer, a full-time husband, full-time father. And every six months, I would take off to Mexico to do a church plant. And, and the travel agent was saying, Molina, there's nothing to see over there in Mexico. You've gone to the same place 10 times in the last six years, and I'm going to have to question whether you have a lover over there because there's nothing to do in Merida. You've seen everything there is to do. Why do you keep on going back? Well, there was an interest that wasn't mine. It was the Lord's. It was the mission field. It was the people of God. It was the church plant. It was caring for the spiritual lives of others. 
Um, it would be crazy to concern ourselves with the affairs of others because you have your own affairs, your own time, your own ability to increase economically. But there is a power at work inside some people, and that's called the power of the gospel. There, there's something that has come inside a Christian who no longer is pursuing his own wisdom, his own strength, his own priorities. Uh, I even had Christian people um, that would tell me, if you keep on going to Nicaragua, this is, this is, these are Christian people, by the way, I'm going to start, I'm going to stop tithing at church. I'm going to stop giving financially at church because you're going to another country and spending time and resources in a Christian community that is not mine. Imagine that. In other words, pastor, if you're not giving me your full time, I'm not tithing at church no more. And, and I said, listen to me, I could care less whether you tithe or not. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. I'm going to go where God has called me to go. I'm going to give where God has called me to give. And it doesn't concern what you're going to do. I just pray that there's something inside of you that's working stronger than your sentiment and your desire. And again, you cannot live the foolishness of God or the weakness of God. Why? Because you feel intimidated by the loss of walking in weakness and foolishness. We're, we're already um, challenged with complexes. I need to be stronger. I need to be wiser. So why is a pastor telling me to become foolisher and weaker? Why wouldn't I exert my energy? If I could roar like a lion, let me not <laughs> like a sheep. Let me not have another expression. And I would rather live as a sheep and see the wealth of God than to roar like a lion and, and get my teeth pulled out. Because God is able to do that. So here it is, when we're talking about this concept, Romans 15.1, this was our text on Wednesday. This is why I say get a copy of that message because today's message will not be that message. We then who are strong ought to place ourselves to bear with those who are weak and not please ourselves. Strength in this world is posture yourself, position yourself to exert strength. But strength in the gospel is to become those who support, put up with the weak, and not do what pleases self. So this looks like a contradiction. Now, this is the same contradiction that's found in Philippians 2, where it says, verse 5, let this mind be that was in Christ be in you. That though he was God, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. Verse 6, though he was being in the form of God, and you gotta, you gotta make, do that, do that transference, get to the place where you have the capacity to be all powerful, all knowing, omnipresent. Although he was God, he did not consider it something to grab at. He did not, he didn't go, since I'm God, I'm gonna exercise uh, this expression to be equal with God. Verse 
7. But instead of staying up here like God, he made himself of no reputation. You, you remember how people say, don't you know who I am? You don't know how long I've been a Christian. You don't know that I, I'm a theologian. I know the scriptures. I've heard this Bible. Since he was up there, he didn't, he didn't stay up there. He took the form of a slave and took the likeness of men. He came down. And verse seven, 8, it says, and amongst men, he became a servant. He didn't stay up there in the full strength. So whatever the full strength of your humanity is, you got to come off of there and start taking the humility uh, verse 8, being found in the appearance of man, he didn't even say, I, I'm a man. No, he says, I'll be a humble servant. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death and death on a cross. So you see the diminishing of God, a man, the servant of man, obedience, obedience to death, and even the humiliating death on a cross is a downward spiral. And the Bible says, because of this, verse 9, because of this capacity, therefore God highly exalted him and gave him a name above every name. So when you diminish yourself in the right attitude and spirit of Christ, get ready for exaltation, promotion, and an expression that far supersedes your capacity. And this is what we're going for. I, I did not forsake everything to lose all things. But the Bible says he who loses his life will win it. So this was my challenge. No one had ever done that in my family. No one had ever stripped himself of what this world is calling you to, to conform yourself to what people say is a joke with this guy. He used to be a lawyer. He used to be, you know, known. It, look at him. He's like, there's nothing there. Well, in that nothing is more powerful than my something. Amen. More powerful in God's capacity and purpose. And so this is the gospel. This, this, is, this is the expression of the gospel. That's why the Bible says the gospel is foolishness to them that perish. It's, it's, it's crazy what God is calling us to. And God would not give in us the capacity to be wonderful to not express it. So this is why Paul can say the words in Romans 1.16... I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Uh, this thing is not going to place me in a direction or in a sentiment that is negative. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I realized on Wednesday that it doesn't matter how many times we read, those of you that are strong bear the burdens of the weak not pleasing yourselves, because let me tell you something, you can never do that unless the gospel comes into your life, the power of God. That's why he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, it's the power of God to salvation. Um, I wish that, that we can just, th this is it. There's no greater power given to man upon the earth than the gospel of Jesus Christ. We still don't know what that means in its totality. What is this? Is it a book? And Jesus says, you search the scriptures, you think that in there you're going to find something, but these are talking about me, and you refuse to come to me. So it's not even the Bible. It's not even the written scriptures 
but, but there's something in a message that God has proclaimed called the gospel of Christ. Um, the word gospel, the Greek word evangelon, which means good news. There's a tiding, there's a proclamation um, regarding Christ. And there in that proclamation regarding Christ, there's power of God. Um, many times the word power in, in the New Testament is the Greek word dunamis, which speaks of dynamite. There's, there's explosive, just, just when the power of the gospel comes to a life, the impact of an explosion, it moves bodies, it, 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 it bewilders the mind. Um, first to the Jew, to the, those of Israel, and also for the Greek, for the Gentile. There's the gospel of Christ, and, and this is where um, we need to forget everything and concentrate on the gospel if we're going to see its fruit, if we're going to see its power. Um, everything that God is going to do upon the earth is consistent with the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you're talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ, this is the power that confronts this one aspect of man, and it's called sin. This is, this is so powerful. Because if you're going to say, what is it that keeps every man from expressing the glory of God... You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna see that it's a three-letter word called sin. Forget about hang-ups and difficulties and weaknesses and all the stuff that we excuse. Uh, we, we dress up and we portrait our sin. Well, I don't have a sin problem. I just get angry when people offend me. No, you have a sin problem. Uh, no, I don't have a sin problem. It says sometimes I get tired and I get grouchy. no. You have a sin problem. And the only thing that could confront and conquer and be victorious over your sin is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the only thing. There's no training. There's no uh, discipling. There, there is actually the, the presence of the gospel working uh, against the members that are given over to the nature of sin. That's what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. It comes with the power to undermine everything that is the nature of sin. So a lot of churches don't even deal with sin anymore. We, we have disguised, uh, you know, we've disguised, no, uh, there's just a minor little depression going on here. Uh, there's bewilderment. I'm a little bit confused. No, no, no. Listen to me. There's depth of sin that corrupts everything who we are. We, we, can, we can, you know, cover coat it and, and candy coat it, but, but there's a nature that uh, Romans 3.23, we, we might not be hearing this verse too much nowadays, but let's, let's go there. Uh, say with me, all have sinned. This sin nature is there in every single one of us. And... And this sin nature is totally destroyed 
That's, that's what's so powerful about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It stands to destroy sin that corrupts, um, contaminates rods. And so because all have sinned, and so I, I hope you're not being generous uh, to talk about other people's sin being greater than your force of sins. Uh, because that, that also takes place where we say, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so or, or so-and-so, his expression of sin is uglier. Um, all have sinned. This, this sin uh, nature inside one of us, um, the expression of sin is pride. That, that's, that's the, the root. Uh, and so what... what, what what is the conquest of a proud spirit? And it has to be the humility uh, in Christ as proclaimed in the gospel. Um, the, the second aspect of, uh, of sin is not only pride but selfishness. If you got those two aspects, if you could destroy pride and selfishness in the life of men, uh, you, you're, you're a great way into messing up with every other expression of sin that's in our life. Uh, our pride, our selfishness instigates uh, us falling short. And it says, because all have sinned, they fall short of being able to live like God intended. So what is the consequences of sin that causes to fall short? There in Romans 6.23, another aspect that, that all sin brings forth the corrupt expression of death, the wages of sin, the end result. Uh, guys, there is no sin that is pretty. There is no expression of us walking in pride and selfishness that will ever be of any benefit in the direction God is pulling us. But there is a gift. And so as, as I attempt to say what are you doing to undergird the ravishes of sin that creates sickness and death and destruction in every realm it, it, listen uh, some people could keep this private right uh, my personal life my, my private sin the, I, I could engage in in a realm of darkness, of selfishness, of lewdness, of things people don't know about. But, but it's eating away at you, and, and you, can't even, you can't even see it. Um, the consequences of this sin nature in us is ruining everything that can be a benefit. Um, I, I believe that, that some people that are married see this closer than people that are not married uh, a person who's single and distant away from a relationship they have no but but the expressions of a spouse looking over to his companion and just nodding their head and saying you know something I, I don't even know how to explain you know your your if you know continual eventual tendencies to undermine uh, a, a greater stance um, The sin problem, the sin. Some people don't want to come to church, be, and, and I was one of them, because I knew that at the forefront of doing anything with God, sin was that, that 
conflict. And I told God, that was my first conversation with God. God, you're holy. I'm not. You don't like sin. I enjoy it. That's, that's, that's my go-to. That's, 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 it's easy for me. And so I could never see me taking one breath in the purpose of God while sin was present. And, and I told him, I don't want to be at church thinking about, you know, the sin I'm missing out in the world. So if we're going to do something in my life, you need to, I need to say I'm never going to stop sinning, number one. I, I don't have the capacity to say, okay, time out. I'm not going to do what doesn't please God. But, but that is my nature. That's my go-to. So you're going to have to be stronger. What you bring to the table has to address my capacity to let you down continually. And so um, thank God for the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the good news. That's, that's the whole, that's, that is the gospel. And that is why the gospel presents itself with so much power. Where Paul says, I'm not ashamed. Um, if this nature of sin corrupts everything God created for man to bless him and to benefit, then the gospel is the only power that crushes sin and the consequences of sin. So John 3.16 uh, becomes the power and the force and the substance that God so loved the world that he made provision for deep darkness and selfishness and pride and corruption and lewdness and selfishness. Everything that is laying claim to a man in the gospel of Jesus Christ is subverted, transformed, and conquered. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and whoever believes in him, that's, that's, where, that's where the gospel gets its catalyst or its initiative. That placing your belief in what God is doing, you're not going to perish, but everything turns around, and, and the victory ushers in everlasting life, the expression of life in abundance. So... Nothing responds to man's condition like the gospel. Nothing, nothing. There, there is no instruction. There's no philosophy upon the earth. There's no traditions of men or customs that comes to do what the gospel has come to do. When the Bible connects us to what God has done in Christ... Then Acts 4, verse 12, becomes our understanding. There is no hope of salvation in any other. This is why uh, a lot of people that want to come and contend with what you're doing in these last couple of days, a lot of the Catholic people says, well, you, you're coming against my, my worship and my religion and my practice and my traditions of my fathers. Listen, there's nothing that is more powerful than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and in that gospel, and in that good news, and in what God has done for man, there's no other name under heaven given to men through which they must be saved. There's no salvation. There's no hope of anything. And so uh, a lot of us that are a little bit um, intellectually um, amused by our capacity to think. Ooh, see, uh, 
I, I have a doctor's degree, I'm a PhD, I'm a FDR, I'm a TIC, I'm a LMNOP, QRS, TUV. You, you add all the letters and, and you discount the gospel. You discount what God wants to do that is not based on intellect. It's not based on observance. It's, it's a power that transcends. Um, somebody said the other day... Uh, that, that it would be good for uh, the church to take a first aid class to be able to give a first aid assistance to somebody who might have a problem. And, and I'm saying if the power of the gospel would, be, it would raise the dead, forget about CPR. If, if God in his move, if we allowed the gospel to have its way, it would raise all the dead in all the hospitals in Miami. But we still are, are, we're having conflict. So 1 Corinthians 15, um, verse 1, Paul says, you know something? I want to get this clear to you because I, I need to make the gospel concise. I need it to be clear. I need it to be certain. He says, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you. This is what... Uh, as a church is working in our lives that is transcending every expression, we can't even understand what, what is being, uh, what has begun to operate on our behalf, but this is what we need to take to other people. And, and many, many times it says, come to my church or, or come to my marriage group or come to my youth group or come to my Bible study or come to something other than saying, let me share the gospel with you. Let me, let me give you the essence of what's going to transform your life. And this is what Paul is doing. Uh, Brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and which you stand in. Um, please. If you're a member of this church, uh, underline these verses and, and make them your go-to arsenal, your, your, your strong weapons of warfare. It's not uh, Bible memorization. It's not attendance. It's not the church vision. It's not the fellowship. Uh, it's, it's this thing which we need to be able to Share and meditate upon. Verse 2. That which you also, by which you are also saved. You're experiencing something from heaven. If you hold fast that word which I preach to you. And if you're not holding on to this, your belief is falling short. It's not going to bring you the fullness. Because while some people listen to the gospel, then they, they scoot it to the side and they get on to other things. We're going we're gonna to put something, we're going to add to our knowledge. And, and, and listen, the gospel doesn't need to be added to. The gospel needs to be our foundation and what's working in us daily. Verse 3, um, hold fast, for I delivered to you First of all, that which I also receive, here it goes, ready? Number one, Christ died for our sins. This, this is a component that, 
that sets aside every other attempt of man to be able to deal with issues in life. Uh, What's going to transform your husband is not your nagging and your pleading and your pulling and manipulation. It's for him to get a clear understanding of the gospel. If that is working inside of him, you're going to see the husband that you dreamed of all your life. If he doesn't see, if he doesn't receive the gospel, there is no power against which you're going to be able to subvert, bless you, his pride, his arrogance, his selfishness, his lack, his diminishing, his ignorance. All the stuff that's missing is found in the essence of the gospel. And anything that you cannot uh, accomplish is going to be the essence of this inability to have Christ uh, carry his sins. Christ died for our sins according to scripture, verse 4. Number one, he died for our sins. Number two, he was buried. He was, he was placed in the tomb. He was there for three days. There was an act that, that followed his crucifixion where he goes and he subverts every principality and power and spirit, every demon, every contraption of the enemy is super powerful that the gospel, it, and, and this is where um, years ago I was, I was asking the Lord, Lord, why is it that I'm undone? You know, I'm, I'm just totally, you know, something has come over my life like a steamroller and has left me unarmed. Why is it that, that, that I feel that something has been done towards my life that is so great that I am an ever enslaved, devoted servant to this cause. And, and it's the love of God. It's, that's the gospel. If, if you tap into to measuring what it took for God to give him your son, to die for you, to be buried. Uh, it was powerful because Christ would not see corruption. In his state of divine nature, there wasn't supposed to be one dead cell coming on his body, and he took on that corruption to give you incorruption. He took on, um, the Bible says, iniquities and sorrows and brokenness, so that you would never even have to taste it. So this thing would never touch you. By his stripes we were healed. Why are people sick? Because they have not allowed the gospel to come into their lives. They have not, they have not searched out these matters with the substance of the essence of the power that's there. So here it is, the proclamation of the gospel that he was crucified, he was buried, and then he rose again the third day according to scripture. This gospel that Paul is preaching has more dunamis, more power, more dynamite function than any intellectual, theological, ecclesiastical discipleship program. There's something that, that comes and diminishes and it's, it's, it's wild. It's wild that, and, and the men in this church have seen it. This is, Pastor, why is it 
that I came here enslaved to drugs, to alcohol, to pornography, to selfishness, to lewdness, to all this stuff, and I'm set free. Because that was the gospel proclaimed. That's the fruit. There was no training. There was no psychobabble, psychiatric tendency of saying, okay, if you just, uh, every day you get home and put your socks and your shoes in the same place, that's going to help your wife. But the gospel is what transforms. It's going to transform the depth of the nature of destruction that we're in. And so Paul is saying, make sure that the gospel doesn't, be, doesn't become uh, coded with any other of your tendencies in man's provision to want to add to it. And, and that's what his claim is in several of his letters to other churches. He says, you have supplanted the gospel. Okay, so, so here, to not supplant the gospel, we got to talk about sin. So that, that, that has to be confronted. That sin is ever present in the depth of who we are. And it doesn't matter who you are and what your tendency is, you can't subvert the nature of corruption that sin brings in your own power. It, it requires what was proclaimed. So these are five of the aspects we see in the components of the gospel. Number one, the love of God. Number two, man's sin. Number three, there's no other provision. Number four, the cross is our focus, is our foundation. His sacrificial death, burial, and resurrection. This is the crux of, of what the gospel entails that we as Christians need to have at the forefront of our thoughts and devotion and passion. These are the people who have embraced the gospel. Those who, who form part of his church. And number five, that we have welcomed, we have received the gospel by faith. We, we know the gospel and we have received the gospel. Ephesians 3, 6 says that these, uh, that having received the gospel, now we are prepared to be heirs. That the Gentiles might inherit all the things that God has for his body to partake in his promises that come through the gospel. The gospel is the proclamation of God's goodness. And then everything that flows therefrom is the fruit of the gospel. And, and we don't add to it. Some people want to add to it. Yeah, what else is there? And, and Paul says, you know something? I'm not going to add to this. I'm not going to add to this. Galatians 1.6, he tells the Galatians, I came and I announced the gospel to you, and I'm impressed that you so hurriedly have put that aside to go on to what you think are greater spiritual depth. 
I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. You, you have fashioned another expression as how you're going to help man's condition. Well, if you come to church, if, if you learn how to worship, if you learn how to, you can't do the fruits of the gospel unless you receive the gospel. And a lot of people want and have a different gospel. And so verse 7, he says, this different gospel, which is not another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel. When you add anything to the gospel, you pervert the gospel. I, I often tell men, this all began by what God did on the cross through his son. Why are you going to think you're going to do something in addition to that? He did all things to bring you to salvation. You better just welcome it and receive it. Walk in that grace. Verse 8, even some pervert this gospel and angels, even if an angel were to come from heaven and preach another gospel to you than the one we preach, this messenger, let him not be welcomed. Let him be accursed. Verse 9 if it's an angel or if it's another person, if anyone preaches any other gospel, then what you have received, let him be cursed. If an angel comes, a supernatural experience, a religious expression, if a man comes with, with words of intellect, verse 11, I might make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. This is not something that I've been able to conjure up. So, so I'm a man, I'll grab this, and I'll make it sophisticated to give to you in a manner which you can understand in your human wit. Guess what? This is not about men. I, I think that's what you were saying. Uh, Ephraim talking to his family members who want him to understand, I didn't make up this stuff, man. This is not something I'm feeling or that I have conjured up in my experience. This has always been God, and it's an expression of always will be God. And we have to transform to it and not transform that to our man, you know, philosophy or man tradition. 1 Corinthians 2.1, he's... Also explaining that to the Corinthians, he says, Brethren, when I came to you, I did not try to put this on a silver platter so that you might understand it intellectually. Here, this is how you might be able to process it with your human sophistication. Guess what? The gospel was given crude and rude to not be filtered by the intellect. The foolishness of the gospel is what saves not the wisdom. And brethren, when I came to you, I did not present, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you who God is. I, I want to tell you this morning that if there's anything that we've become sophisticated in, let's get that out of our way so we go to the bare bones of that which opens the windows of the heavens. The one that the expression that comes against every sentiment that strips us of the wealth of God. Verse 2, I didn't come with excellent speech. I didn't come with wisdom. 
Let, let me bring my pastor because he speaks a little bit better than I do. No. Proclaim the gospel. God loves man and sent his son to die for man. And his blood washes our sins. I determined not to know anything amongst you except the gospel, Jesus Christ and him crucified. I, I didn't explain to you dinosaurs and Martians and is there life on other planets? And all that stuff is foolishness. What you need to know is that God loved the world and gave his son. Amen. And in the cross, the crucifixion of the son, his burial, his resurrection, his having received it by faith is what unleashes that amazing expression. Verse 3. Paul says, I was with you in a weak, fearful, trembling state. I wasn't strong, bold, and, and passionate. Verse 4, my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. I, 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 I see that whenever I'm confronted with things that, that are an opposition to life and to peace and to blessing... When I see corruption and its fury, when I see somebody come up to me and say, I have cancer. And you, you cannot give cancer a, a discipleship program and Bible study. You better declare the power of the gospel upon that person. You, there, there better be a transference and an impartation of the life and the power of the gospel. He says, I didn't come with any witty human wisdom but in the demonstration of the spirit and power there's something that is there in the gospel that is the provision for what is taking place what for verse 5 so that your faith should not rest on human intellect but on the power of God how many how many want would rather see the glory of God just in, in invade your family and and not just you know, soothe the persuasiveness of your intellect. Now I feel better because now I understand God. I'd rather not understand God and see his power. Amen. I'd rather not understand God and see healing, see the impossible work in the lives of those people that doctors say they could explain how it started and how it gets worse and how you're going to die, and they cannot explain how you will be delivered, but the gospel can. Amen. The gospel could unleash the fury of God's love upon your life like nothing else upon the earth. So Paul says in Romans eleven thirty three, 33, the depth of the riches of this wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his paths without finding out, way past our ability to find out. Way past our ability to find out is what we proclaim. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the word of the cross is stupid to those who perish. That the gospel is total nonsense. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are not figuring it out. But to us who are receiving it, we're being saved by the power of God through the foolishness of the gospel. It's, it's listen, my relationship with my wife is something I continually go back to. I'm living a relationship that far surpasses my selfishness. Why? Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because of the power of his presence. 
It, it undermines, it's not, it's not natural that two people would get along and enjoy life and, and, and be satisfied like what God has done in our marriage with Yvette and, and our family and all every expression of my life where the gospel has been unleashed and, and we're not, we're not, we're, we're not, we're not, we're not into any life support systems. We're, we're not like saying, well, the Lord is falling short in this area, so we're going to just help him out a little bit. God forbid that we start trying to devise how we're going to get to the expressions. Here, he says there, it's, that this is foolishness to those who perish, but saved those being saved are experiencing the power of God. Um, 1 Corinthians 9.16, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory. It's not, I'm not accomplishing anything. I have nothing to boast about. For if necessity is laid upon me, yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. If we don't proclaim this stuff, if we're not moving it forward in the realms of darkness, we'll never see what God intended to bring to pass. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace, this salvation has come through faith. We've received it. And this not of, Ephesians 2.8, this is by grace we're being saved through faith. This not of ourselves. It's an expression of what God is giving. Verse 9, not, <coughs> not of works, this is not based on anybody's capacity to do so that no one should boast. So this is what we say, Romans 10, 9, that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will experience salvation. If you let that gospel in, it's prepared to do things that you never even dreamed of being able to see. So our confidence is in nothing else. Uh, Sadly enough, a lot of people's confidence is, you know how long I've been a Christian, I've, I've prayed a lot, I've been in the depth of these things, uh, I have a clearer understanding. None of that stuff comes against the stench of sin. The pride, the selfishness, the rebellion, the disobedience, the ungodliness, the unrighteousness. Uh, whenever I'll sit down and I'll try and, and speak into somebody's life and, and zero resolve. There's no return. How can you transfer understanding to him who has yet allowed the gospel to shine upon them? In other words, the gospel of Jesus Christ is what gives forth the fruit of a life. That's regeneration, justification, redemption, reconciliation, sanctification, and glorification. Everything that is an expression of the gospel is not on the basis of our capacity. So Romans 10, 11 says, who then, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Whoever experiences the power of the gospel, the expression will not leave them desirous of more. They will not be uh, thirsting. Verse 12, for there's no distinction whether Jew or Greek, for he is Lord over all. He's the same Lord over all, is rich to all who call upon him. 
Verse 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever is able to welcome the gospel of Jesus Christ over their life is going to see things and experience provision that there is no substitute for. Verse 14, how then shall they call on him who they, whom they have not believed? How, how are people going to come into this? And how shall they believe in him unless somebody, uh, unless they, whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear when nobody is preaching, when there's nobody proclaiming? Verse 15, and how shall someone go and proclaim it unless they are sent? And, and this is what I want to do this morning. Uh, I want to send Spring of Life to go proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. To be able to know the provisions that God has given us in this gospel so that we can say how beautiful are the feet of those who proclaim the gospel of peace, who bring good news of good things. So let's stand this morning and ask God to bring clarity to what we're welcoming what is our platform and where we stand, and then this is our proclamation, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, I didn't, I didn't want to bring, I didn't want to add to this. There's nothing else I have to speak to you about. If in the concept of that which God is doing leaves you sterile and without, uh, nothing I could add to it is going to uh, increase or fabricate that life. Uh, where the power of the gospel is operating, you will see humble men. You will see obedient men. You will see selfless men. You will see men that, that are just pouring out uh, the presence of that reality. And it's not because... It's their strength or ability. It's because the gospel is in operation. Those who are strong that are able to bear with the weakness of others and not please themselves is not because I give a fascinating Bible study on Wednesday night because if the gospel is not operating in your heart, it doesn't matter how many times you can see it illustrated outside of yourself. I want it to be my reality. And today, part of this message uh, is me also saying, Lord, uh, let this be our main proclamation in our church. Let it be our main message to the world. Father, thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for your provision during our time of worship, during our time of seeking your face. Thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the foundation and the provision to come against sin and the stench of pride and selfishness in the heart of man. I pray, O oh God, that we might be able to welcome and receive the gospel of Jesus Christ because that is what transforms man's heart. That's what changes the world. That's what establishes a mighty marriage, O oh God. That's what establishes a family that enjoys your peace and your joy and your prosperity. Father, remove everything that has been placed as a substitute for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't want another gospel. 
We don't want to twist your gospel. We don't want to have heard your gospel in vain, O oh God. But we want the gospel to move in the power that it brings to heal, to save, to deliver, to reconcile, to restore all the things that you have in our lives, Lord. We pray that your Holy Spirit might move and witness to us this reality in our expression, Lord. That we not only receive the gospel, that we proclaim the gospel. That the fruits will follow, Lord, those who believe. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. We bless the families in this church, Lord, and we declare prosperity and blessing and healing. We declare, Father God, your goodness and embrace, and we pray, Father God, that we might inherit your promises, your faithfulness, your prosperity and abundant provision in all things. In Jesus' name we pray, and the house of God says amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. God bless you.